and often we're people who have stepped straight from school into uni and you feel like you can't kind of hop off the treadmill that you you just have to keep going and there's a sense that oh, I can't take a day off because there's no one to cover for me and sometimes there is no one to cover for you. So we tend to sacrifice ourselves again and again and it uh, takes a lot of bravery to stop doing that because we don't want to feel like we're letting people down or that we have failed in some way uh, because that can be a very unsafe way for us to feel. Welcome to the Balanced Medics Handover podcast. Are you questioning whether medicine is right for you and not sure what to do next? If so, you've come to the right place. This podcast is full of real examples of doctors that have gone down different paths to prove that it's possible to transform your life and that it's never too late. I'm your host, Isabella, the founder of Balanced Medics and a doctor that left clinical medicine. If you're ready to make changes now and live a life more aligned with your own values, coaching could be for you. You don't need to stay stuck. Reach out and see what's possible at balancemedics.com forward slash coaching. And now to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Handover podcast. Today we are going to be speaking with Dr. Claire Noonan, a doctor who has paved her own unique path with medicine. Claire is a GP therapist with a special interest in human psychology and the ability to facilitate transformation through therapy. Claire offers group therapy workshops, including one focused on imposter syndrome and retreats. Her next retreat is in partnership with The Burnout Project by Dr. Amy Imms in March 2023 called Healing the Healers. Without further ado, let's hand over to Claire. Hi, Claire. How are you? Hi, Isabella. I'm very well. How are you? Great, thanks, and thank you for coming on to the podcast. I'm really excited to have a chat with you today. Oh, it's a pleasure. So, Claire, I wanted to start with the beginning of your medical career and why you decided to do medicine in the first place. Mm, well, I, when I was younger, I wanted to become a composer and musicologist, so it was quite a, quite a shift towards my medical aspirations. Uh, my mum was a GP um, she told me not to do medicine, <laughs> so maybe an element of rebellion there, I don't know. But during my teen years, I discovered Buddhism and did a lot of reading on Buddhist philosophy and decided I wanted to serve um, others by caring for them medically and relieving suffering in a literal sense. Uh, though, you know, now I have a broader understanding of, of Buddhism, but at the time I thought this is what I must do. Um, so I started applying myself at school, whereas previously I, I hadn't been. Uh, and I did medical science degree and honours in neuroscience, um, Alzheimer's research, and then went on and did the a graduate medical program. Yeah, and my hospital years, as you'd be familiar with, Isabella, is uh, baptism by fire. I don't know if it's, I imagine it's still much the same. And, you know, many times I thought of quitting, but somehow I, I didn't. But then I did my GP training. I did all of my training here in Orange and fellowed in early 2013. I worked for a beautiful practice and I'm still very fond of that practice. But this year 
I've uh, left there and I've gone free range as a locum and started running my therapy practice and branching out into psychological medicine, which I feel is my true calling, but I still love being a GP. So I'm working on finding the, the good balance there. So in the beginning, what was your vision for yourself in medicine? Well, quite different to, to how it's ended up looking. I thought I would become a, a rural generalist and work for MSF. But I, I guess what changed that um, idea was having a, a family. So I have two young children. And uh, yeah, so perhaps one day I will will do that. But um, yeah, and as, as uh, I'm sure has been the case for, for you, perhaps you and many of your listeners, I kept changing what I wanted to do. So during my medical science degree, I discovered neuroscience and fell in love with the human brain. So for a long time, I wanted to either be a neurologist or once I discovered surgery, then I thought, well, the obvious choice is neurosurgery. I'm quite thankful I didn't go down that path. I, I don't think I would have lasted. Yeah. And then I came, kind of did a full 360 back to general practice because I didn't want to give up any part of medicine or any group of any population of patients. I like being a bit useful to anyone who walks through the door. That's uh, what I love about general practice and it's I actually wish it was a bit more boring. People have the idea that it's scripts and referrals, but there's a lot of mystery solving, a lot of holding space and health education is quite heavy going. So it's, yeah, it's, it's never boring. So you were drawn to GP because there's a, a mix of everything. Is that right? Yeah. And I like feeling useful and I like being able to help whatever problem someone has. I, I like being able to offer them something. And now you are the creator of Clarity Lane. Where did Clarity Lane come from? So I was thinking actually recently, I remember a very smart friend of mine, um, you should look her up, Marianne Cantwell, her company's called Free Range Humans. She's written a great book called How to Be a Free Range Human about breaking free from, from like stepping off the conveyor belt and designing a career that fits with your passion and skills and is viable um, as a business model. And she's, she's very smart at all that. And I think she'd suggested that I do exactly what I'm doing now, but at, at that time I had different ideas and, and it didn't sink in. But now I clearly remember her telling me I should do this. Yeah, so and then it kind of fell into place a bit by chance. The PHN, Primary Health Network, sent an email around saying, oh, we, we want more GPs to do the focused psychological um, strategies, skills training and offering to fund that. And I thought, oh, I should do that. So, so I did that and then I thought, well, what am I going to do with it? Uh, one of the challenges of general practice for me is I love mental health work, but it's, it causes a lot, of, a lot more time pressure because you, you need to give people time and depth. Um, but in a general practice day, it's just, that just creates a, a lot of competing demands. Um, there's interruptions, there's patients waiting, there's paperwork and results that need checking. So I decided I should make it completely separate find my own rooms, run it all myself and have time and space for those patients um, that's completely separate from my GP clinical work that I do. Yeah, my, Marianne also got me onto the imposter syndrome training that I did. She suggested it might be a good fit for me. So I did that. That was with Dr. Valerie Young. And this year I've been an associate of her institute and have delivered her presentation. So that's been, uh, I've, I've learned a lot and I feel like I'm very 
good at driving my own imposter syndrome now because it's still there it never goes away but you just you just learn to drive it um, which is how it actually really helped me in launching this this business I did the imposter syndrome training and then I started that gave me I guess the courage to just set up my therapy practice and reach out to Amy and uh, Hilton copy and decide let's run retreats for doctors uh, to start running workshops locally, uh, set up group therapy programs, things that previously I might have thought, oh, who, who do I think I am to be doing that? Valerie's message is who do you think you are to not be doing that? Who knows who might benefit, how much you'll grow through doing that, how, how much better a path that might be for you? That was a very empowering message to take on. That's great. And that's such a good point because you can always feel like, you know, who am I to do these things? Who am I to do a podcast? And you never know, right, until you get started. And for those who don't know, so Dr. Amy Imms is the creator of The Burnout Project and Dr. Hilton Coppy is uh, a GP who just recently published a book, One Curious Doctor, which is a really great book about his time as a GP and it really goes into what it means to be a doctor and the relationships you you make with your patients. Yeah, yeah it's, so, it's a beautiful book. I was in tears within pages of it, I, I remember. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It kind of reminded me of what it's like to be a family doctor, the, the kind of beauty and privilege um, and poignancy that, that lies in connecting with people, um, having such insight into their, their lives. It's, yeah, it's it's very easy to read. I sat down, I thought I'll read, uh, you know, a couple of chapters and, and it's just over before you know it. Yeah, I'll do a reread soon. Um, but yeah, well worth a look. So how did you come up with the name Clarity Lane? So I did a brainstorming session with Marianne and she said, um, she said, oh, this is the kind of thing I love to do. Uh, we just had a bit of a brainstorm, which was more an interview. She She said, what kind of people do you want to come and see you at Clarity Lane? What kind of work do you want to do with them? And what are they looking for? And what do you hope when they leave your rooms after the session? What? How do you want them to be feeling? Just those kind of questions. And the word clarity came up. And I just love the, the sound of it. And another friend of mine actually had suggested, I think she'd come up with the word clarity, but she, she said, you should call it clarity. Um, uh, which was quite cute. So, yeah, that helped as well. That's great. That's great. So a little bit of a play on words. So currently, what is your average day like? Well, there, I, I do quite a variety of things. So when I'm GP locuming, that those are quite hectic days. I've been commuting from Orange to Forbes this week, which is, yeah, obviously that's a really long, long day. Um, and then I'm just immersed in general practice those days. Um, but because I know it's I do that kind of every second week, um, so it's a finite time. I'm temporary at the practice. There's, that's a lot of pressure off me already. Um, it's a big burnout prevention factor for me, locuming, while allowing me to keep my skills up in general practice and probably honestly do a, do a better job um, for those reasons. Then a therapy days, uh, I often start by going to a yoga class, having coffee, a bit more of a leisurely start, and then I'll, I'll see... Um, like I'm not super busy at the moment. I've um, yeah, I've got room on my books, which is kind of nice because then I can space patients through the day, go and do lunchtime yoga if if I want, get some things done in my life, and pick my kids up from school, all all those kind of things. And then there's the 
the other work which is planning the retreats which um, are very exciting to me that's it's my kind of favorite project I'm planning a podcast I've run a, a women's circle recently so planning some more groups for next year yeah this, those are my weeks where I do the the deep kind of therapy work with with patients which is like I really find my flow there and and then all the dreaming and planning which I've, I've always been someone who's full of ideas I don't always follow through on on my ideas but it's I get there's room for me to dream and be creative now whereas when you're doing general practice week after week and medicine in general it can really kind of drain your, your creative energy because it, it drains your emotional energy and when you've got none of that it's hard to be creative I find. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that, having just lack of energy and time to and space for being creative. Um, so what was the transition like for you from full clinical to, to this, this different path? I had mixed feelings because I knew that I needed to make some big changes. Um, I did a fair bit of job quitting, um, quit um, over the last 12 months, three different jobs. I was doing too many jobs. Um, I worked myself into the ground over the pandemic, ended up, I I, was relieved of my gallbladder and I fully blamed the stress of clinical work um, and overwork for things coming to a head with with my poor old gallbladder. (laughs) So, so yeah, it was was hard though um, leaving the practice that I'd been at for about 10 years or more. Um, because I, I love, I still love my colleagues there. It's a best practice in town, in my humble opinion. So it was really hard because it felt like that this is my family. I didn't want to lose my place in the family and be just adrift out on my own. I really valued being in a group, but I knew that while I was staying there, I was just, I wasn't managing with all the responsibilities of on call. I had to give up nursing homework um, and just feeling more and more pressured in in. In that pressure was a sense that I couldn't provide for my patients as well as I would like, so I knew I had to had to shift. Um, so it took took a bit of guts to make the call, but they were very supportive, and yeah, I see them see them around town, and it's always a joyful reunion. Yeah, so it's it's been a year of big changes, and I think it takes a lot of guts for. I think doctors in general tend to be. Like high achievers put a lot of pressure on ourselves and there's a lot of pressure put on us as well. Yeah, I think that um, leads to a lot of uh, burnout, depression, things that we tend to hide. Um, and often we're people who have stepped straight from school into uni and you feel like you can't kind of hop off the treadmill, that you you just have to keep going and there's a sense that oh, I can't take a day off because there's no one to cover for me and sometimes there is no one to cover for you. So we tend to sacrifice ourselves again and again and it uh, takes a lot of bravery to stop doing that because we don't want to feel like we're letting people down or that we have failed in some way uh, because that can be a very unsafe way for us to feel. 100% and kudos to you for taking the brave step to, to leave because it's not easy, like you said, from the our internal pressure, external pressure and also sometimes your body is just telling you to listen, which sounds like what happened to you with your poor gallbladder. So sometimes you can ignore it to a point, but in the end, something's got to give. If you, you can't always just give that much of yourself without some consequences, can you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, come, it does come to the point where, where something's got to give and we can't let it be us because, I mean, that's pointless. No one wants that to happen to us. It's, yeah, it's not good for, like, our lives have their own kind of precious innate value, our families. So, 
yeah, sometimes what's got to give is is the work. And if if we do less of it or, or a different kind of work, we end up, you know, doing more good and and being able to sustain our careers for longer. Yeah, I think that's such a key word, sustain, having a sustainable career that everyone can benefit from. Now, you have an interest in imposter syndrome. I thought we could go a little bit more into that and what is it, why are physicians so at risk of it and and what are you doing to offer uh, helping strategies for doctors with imposter syndrome? So it's super common, as Dr. Valerie Young says, well, it's, it's worth reading her book probably. Um, I think it's called Secret Thoughts of Successful Women. So, yeah, imposter syndrome is super common. At least 70% of people have or have had imposter feelings. And what it means is that that sense that you're not as capable or skilled or talented as other people seem to think you are, that you've fluked your way into things, you're very good at explaining away when you manage to do things. You say, oh, it's because... Uh, it was just good luck, I was in the right place at the right time, that you've just had the right connections, that they were just being nice, yeah, all the reasons in the world. And the imposter feelings, uh, Valerie explains, uh, lead to certain behaviours, so such as flying under the radar, not going for opportunities that actually um, we should go for. So, yeah, the compensating behaviours are things that we do to try and reduce the anxiety of our imposter feelings and also because we fear being found out that, oh, actually, you don't know what you're doing. Um, so we do all these things to, to hide, like not, not speaking up or going for opportunities that, that would actually do. The gender effect um, they did, there was an internal job, I guess, offer at, a, I think it was Hewlett-Packard, where they listed 10 criteria for applying and women would only apply if they met all 10 criteria, whereas men, if they met like about half of them, they would go for it. Yeah, so the, I think the Valerie's kind of program is very useful in helping you understand the very good reasons why you have imposter feelings and just putting them into context, context and, and understanding them is, I think, a, a very important step because it makes you more mindful of them and you can compartmentalise it better. If you have that moment, you, you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, there's that imposter feeling and I have that because of these reasons and my usual behaviour would be to not ask the question that's burning inside me because I don't want to look like an idiot. I'm going to ask the question anyway. So you start, I guess that's a whole kind of CBT response to it. So I've really, I'm still working on on mine but yeah I think if every junior doctor could go to Valerie's talk which there's lots of people licensed to to give that talk and I gave it at the last retreat I think that the whole medical world would benefit because who knows who like the whole world will benefit when everyone is going for opportunities and, and trying things knowing that sometimes you will fail but that that doesn't have to lead to that deep sense of shame you just know that well you can't kind of win them all yes that's a brief summary of everything I've learned from from Valerie but yeah definitely look her up read her book yeah go to a go to a um, rethinking imposter syndrome presentation if you can it's very valuable I'll put a link in the show notes to Dr. Valerie Young's uh, book and where you can find more information on that because I feel imposter syndrome can be an episode in itself but thank you for for sharing what you're doing with that. Now, you also 
run retreats and workshops and you were saying how that's one of your favorite things to do. Can you tell us a bit more about those retreats and, and workshops? So the first workshop I ran was here in Orange with my beautiful friends, Veronica Sutherland and Madison Sutherland. So they are respectively, well, Veronica is so many things, I don't know where to begin. Yeah, Pilates instructor, she's qualified in, in something called postural and movement neurology. She's probably got the best understanding of how the human body works um, in terms of its mechanics and function. And Madison is a yogi. She's she's doing the, you know, not the typical 200-hour yoga training. She's really immersed herself and is has a mentorship yeah anyway she's built something beautiful they run the movement evolution studio here in orange so we teamed together to give a mental health workshop where we each kind of spoke from from our perspective so I talked a lot about the psychological side of things general some general health advice and then a bit of distress tolerance techniques um, motion regulation, that kind of thing, which DBT is one of my my loves. And Veronica talked about the importance of you know being connected with the earth, helping our bodies function optimally. Uh, we did some some yoga and journaling. It was kind of a an all like, inclusive type event. So yeah, I thought that was that was useful for me. I'd only done kind of online presentations with the imposter syndrome and I wanted to see how do I go with a, a live group of people because that's not been one of my strengths. So thanks to overcoming my imposter syndrome, I just said, well, I'm only going to get better at it if I just start doing it and think of how much I'm going to learn. It may never be my my thing, but I'm going to try it anyway. So, yeah, that was my first one. And in a yeah moment of inspiration, I contacted Hilton and Amy to suggest we run a retreat together offering so with me doing the imposter syndrome talk and then some DBT skills which all the doctors were were very interested in Amy doing her kind of burnout management prevention she gave some beautiful presentations on on setting boundaries and, and other things and then Hilton did his very well loved popular writing kind of creative writing workshop which he mainly does for health professionals but general public as well at writers festivals everyone loved that people who I guess never would have otherwise taken up a pen and written in a creative sense just immersed themselves in it and yeah it was it was very very beautiful so we did that in September in the Blue Mountains and yeah really happy with how it went so the next one is in March in Bellingen which is my favorite place in the world I must say so I had a vested interest in making everybody go there and love Bellingen. So, yeah, looking forward to that. We'll offer a bit of a different program. And so I'll be doing some of my, like, Buddhist-informed psychotherapy concepts, some more DBT skills, as that um, was was very popular. And by then I should be qualified as a Qigong instructor. Um, that's another side project of mine. So there'll be some Qigong classes as well as Veronica is coming along to do Pilates teaching everyone to you know walk properly and stand properly and move with good alignment and yeah Amy will be doing something brilliant knowing Amy yeah so that's the program that we've got coming up that's exciting and it's such a a holistic way of approaching it that's great so I feel like your work shows how you can change your life within what you're doing now and it doesn't mean you need to you know change countries change jobs 
from one day to the next. It can be about changing how you perceive things, looking at ways to improve your current situation, like moving from full-time to casual or locum. Or if you do want a bigger change, it's fine if that's what's right for you. So in the interest of time, I just wanted to ask you what balance means to you. I've been posing that question to everyone that comes on, so... What is it for you? So I think for me it's about making sure you have a little bit of everything you love and in what proportion that's that's where you kind of explore different balances and, and how things work because obviously we all need to, to earn a living and then we, have, we do have obligations but it's very, very important that we have a sustainable balance going on. So, so yeah, I think thinking what are the things you, you love to do, what are the things that you need to do What's the best balance for you to be going on with? Making sure you're having having plenty of breaks and downtime as much as much as you can. Um, and if the, you don't have time enough for something you really love that would make your life joyful, then steal time from somewhere else and put it in that thing. Yeah, there's a beautiful story where it's illustrated through, I guess, a folk tale that even as a Buddhist, you can't put everyone else first because you also have to value the living being that is you all living beings having equal value and that actually that includes you so no one else is going to put you first so it's, it's actually very important that that you do that's beautiful and that's such a nice way of seeing it it's not selfish to to look after yourself now before you go how can people find you and reach out to you and get involved with these retreats yeah, so, uh, so we have a Facebook group, Healing the Healers, so um, any health professionals welcome to join. Uh, we will eventually be running retreats for, for other health professional groups. We've started with doctors because that's who we know. We have an Instagram profile as well. And there's my website, www.claritylane.com.au, and you can grab my email address off the website and please feel free to contact me with any questions or thoughts and I usually I try and keep it up to date with the programs I'm running yeah those are the best ways to find me great great and I'll link that all in the show notes as well so thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today and it's exciting to see the different paths that you can take within medicine through what you're doing thanks so much for having me You've been listening to the Balance Medics Handover podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, I'd love for you to take a minute to rate and review this podcast and click the follow button. For more resources, check out the Balance Medics website. The link to this will be in the show notes below. See you next episode.